0: Welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family here in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm your host, Daniel Rota. Uh With me, I have uh, Father Ryan Rabbits, safely come back from his travels. How are you doing, Father?
1: I am doing well. Um, as we record this, I'm a little little jet-lagged, I would say. Uh, the body's feeling it, so I feel a bit exhausted, but I'm, I'm doing good. Good.
0: Yeah. When, when did you get back?
1: I got back Friday night, so we landed at 6.30 in the cities, and or no, 5.30 in the cities. I got on the road by 6.30, got back to my car and on the road, and so got home a little after 9 on Friday night. I've had two good nights of sleep, which is kind of rare coming back, but two solid nights of sleep, but still, like, the body resets. Yeah. So coming back from Europe is always tougher than going that way, actually. Yeah. I don't know what, what it is about it, but
0: oof. Yeah, I remember when I came back from Rome, I think I slept on pretty much, like, the entire of, like, the eight-hour flight or whatever it was. I was I was out for, about like six hours of it. Well, and there's something
1: about being, like, I think traveling and then being on pilgrimage, too, or just lots. We did lots of different things, so I think my I'm, my body is just physically exhausted, so I'm hoping okay. I don't get sick. I'm trying to, you know, drink lots of water and stay hydrated and all that stuff, uh, one of the handmaids is giving me a hard time this morning. Like, Father, go drink some orange juice, you know?
0: Need a vacation from yeah. your vacation? <laughs>
1: exactly, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, do you want to open us in a prayer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we praise and we glorify you for your goodness and your love. We pray for your anointing and your blessing upon this podcast and all those that are listening to it. We just pray, Lord, that you would anoint their day and, and fill them with the grace of your love and your mercy, your, your goodness. Lord, allow us in heart and mind to, to receive your truth and your love, to receive all of your goodness. Lord, we ask for your anointing and your blessing upon our parishes. We just ask that you bless us as a community that we might grow in you towards salvation, towards your kingdom. Lord, we, we cry out to you, have pity and save us. Lead us to everlasting life. Mother Mary, we ask that you intercede for us as well. And for, for this podcast and anybody that might listen to it, we ask that you pray for them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy
0: Spirit, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, well, hey, what's what's going on this week? So we have clergy
1: conference this week. So I'm going to be gone um, Monday, Tuesday. I'll be back Wednesday. It's an annual conference where the priests all get together. Um, and so <laughs> I just get home, and I'm going to be gone for a couple more days. Um, but it's really great. We have a we have a bishop coming in from Nebraska who is a spiritual director actually when I was in seminary. And he's going to talk about the spiritual, um, you know, the spiritual life of the and priest and spirituality mm-hmm. of the and priest. So, looking forward to that. So that's what's going on in my life. Uh, here in the parishes, um, we, we keep rolling with some different things. Um, RCIA continues. Um, the, t- the sisters are going to be teaching on Tuesday night. But then, you know, next Monday and next Wednesday, we're starting weekly adoration in the parishes. So Mondays from eight thirty in the morning to eight thirty in the evening. Um, there's gonna be adoration at Saint Lawrence. And then it, so that'll conclude with benediction. And then Wednesdays at Holy Family from eight thirty to six. And so we're excited to be getting rolling with consistent weekly adoration in both parishes and within the within the parish communities. Um it's something that I'm really excited about. I firmly believe that inviting people and taking the time to spend before the Lord and with the Lord is you don't even have to do anything. It's just giving the Lord time. And when we give the Lord time in his holy presence in the blessed sacrament in the Eucharist at adoration, um, it, it, God just starts to, to work in different ways. And, and it tr- starts to transform us. And so I'm really excited about getting adoration really going. You know, we've done it during Advent and Lent. And it's gone really well. We've had some conversations about, and a lot of people have asked, can we do this more regularly, like weekly? And so we're going to start doing it, you know, once a week. Uh, and see how it goes. You know, we need people sign- to sign up to, to cover hours, so we have people both that are going to be there to protect the Blessed Sacraments, a nobody that walks off with it, um, and that things are reverent in there at all times. Um, but also somebody's there adoring the Lord during those hours, and so uh, we're just asking people to sign up. The handmaids are working on the sign-ups and stuff, so you can reach out to them to be able to sign up if you want to sign up for, for a time period. Or you just, you know, You can also just swing in. But we need people committed in order to be able to do it, and we think we got enough people I saw a lot of people today signing up, so yeah
0: yeah, yeah, as of this morning, I think there's only like a couple time slots that didn't have anyone, at least for the Saint Lawrence one I haven't seen the holy family one but uh but yeah, so sign up uh that's it's a great thing, you know i I think firmly believe that if there were if everyone in the parishes you know took an hour of their time and went to adoration, like the parishes would change. I mean, oh, it, it would, it would, it, it, you know, yeah, people would just come alive.
1: And what I think, what a lot of people, it's neat because you know the people that have started to in their life, they've started like regular going to adoration. And you talk to people who like discovered at a certain point, and they start to go. And then you talk to them after a, a period of time where they've consistently been going. It's transforming in the most beautiful and good way in their lives, and they talk about you know, how much they long to actually go and do it and and what it does for them. You know, because y- you give God the opportunity to work on your heart. And that's a big part of adoration. It's just to go and, and let God work on your heart and in a real a space in and in, in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So, like, you know, you can do it at home in your living room, you know, like let God work on your heart. Yes, that's true. However, we believe that Jesus is physically really present in the Blessed Sacrament in the Eucharist. So, th- just being in his presence, that sacramental presence in the Eucharist, he can work on our hearts even more. There's there's something more profound, and there's a grace there in it. And so it's fun listening to people who have like come to experience it and then consistently start to go. It not only transforms like a parish, but it can transform one's own heart. Yeah, I've seen it transform marriages. I've seen it transform families. Um, I've seen it transform priests. <laughs> myself included and so it's it's really a, something that universally is very very powerful
0: yeah yeah so if you haven't you know if you haven't signed up I highly encourage you to sign up uh you know if you heard about it and you're like yeah i'm not gonna do that i you know I encourage you to think about it because it's yeah it's 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 life-changing so so yeah adoration That's a big one yeah that's a big thing going on now uh so for today's show um we're just in a talk about um, father's trip to Europe I went to Rome and to Poland and kind of pick your brain about, like, your experience, how that was, but then kind of get into what does it mean to go on pilgrimage because that's something that, uh, like, is de- it definitely has been a, um, a tradition for thousands of years, probably even more than that, going back into, like, you know, the, uh, like, pre-Christian religions. Uh, but so, like, why do we do that? You know, why well, is that something that we do? So, I guess starting off, just how, how was, like, w- w- why do you go over there? How was the trip?
1: Yeah. So, I had a really great trip. I went with Father Tony Robleski, who is a, a priest here in the diocese. He's down in Brainerd at St. Francis. Um, was he your pastor growing yeah, up? Yep. Yes, That's my him. home parish. So, yeah. yeah. I know him was, really well. He was, he was a priest there when you were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He probably, I was probably in um, like junior high, early when high school game. when he first came. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he was here at Holy Family as well as the pastor, and I think he was the associate pastor here too when he was, he was originally part of the OMI order. Now he's a diocesan priest. But Father Tony and I went over. Um, we traveled with two lay friends of ours, and um, we first went to Rome um, for Matt Miller's diaconate ordination. So if a man studies at the North American College in Rome, he has the opportunity, if he wants, to be, able to be ordained a deacon at St. Peter's Basilica with his classmates. So Matt took that option uh, to be ordained a deacon. So you're ordained a deacon before you're ordained a priest. So Matt's nearing priestly ordination, which would be next summer. So he's ordained a deacon. So we went over for the diaconate ordination um, in Rome, and we spent a few days in Rome as well, kind of just going to some sites and praying at some different places. Um, Matt's ordination was really great. His family was over. Matt's from Moose Lake. Um, So he had some family over, his parents and his sister and... Um, a bunch of different friends from the diocese they were um, i think eight priests from the diocese that were there so it's great to be over um over there for that and to to see that and to celebrate with matt uh his ordination and you know in saint peter's basilica so one of the great things about going to saint Peter's, so people from f- for centuries have gone to saint peter's on pilgrimage and for matt to be able to be ordained there a deacon it's it's very very special so underneath the main altar, as many people know, are the bones of St. Peter. And in the 20th century, actually, they found the actual bones. And they've done scientific research on them, and everything points to, yeah, these are really, actually, the bones of St. Peter. But it's a place that people for centuries have traveled to from all over the world to, to go and be and pray at the tomb and at St. Peter's. So one of the things you can do, and we did it one morning... We went over, just the four of us, and we had mass at St. Peter's Basilica with just the four of us, a regular daily mass. You can go there, and you, as a priest, you just go back to the sacristy, and you get set up, and they walk you out, and they, there's altars all over St. Peter's. So the altar we ended up at, because we didn't make a reservation, you just kind of like leave it to fate, leave it to divine providence. We got led over to the, this really great altar that actually is the closest altar to the spot where St. Peter was crucified. So he was crucified upside down, so it was kind of one of the highlights of being in Rome other than the ordination, because we got to do Mass one morning on that spot where Peter gave his life um, and was martyred for the faith. Um, so Rome was really great. One of the great things about Rome is being able to enjoy the pasta and the food in Rome as well, so we had some really nice meals. Um, all, the, all the priests of the diocese we went out together one night, which was nice. really nice. Um, one part about pilgrimage for me is actually you grow in deeper friendship when you're going on intentional ch- journeys together, you know we can we grow in friendship and in relationship. Uh, uh, you know, in the day to day stuff, but when you're intentionally journeying together, so like the priests of the diocese, we didn't all like travel together, but we all knew we were meeting there, and we were meeting there with a purpose to be able to celebrate Matt's acronym in our nation. We, so we had an opportunity to get together and have a meal together, and it was really, really, really nice to be able to just sit and share with one another and talk and have a great meal, have a little vino. Um, So Rome was a a great few days. Um, One of the places that we went, uh, that that Father Tony and this lay couple had never been to, and I had been to a number of times, is called the Bone Church. Mm. And it's a church in Rome. It's like a lower crypt-level church, and it's got like four little chapels in it. And the Capuchins, um, around the 11 or 1200s, had to move to this new location and so they moved all the bodies of the the monks um, to this current location while in the process they ended up building these little chapels and they decorated them with human bones and so it's super fascinating, kind of super weird (laughs) but it's got like a super powerful message um, that goes with it so when you go into one of the chapels it's there's a little sign there and i love it it says what we what you are now we once were mm. what we are now you will one day be and your mortality i mean it's it's a place that your mortality like just punches you right in the face and as tough as that is and like you know you don't want to dwell on that and you don't wanna, you know you don't want to go like dark into that it's a super good thing to just remember and especially as we journey in faith with the hope in the resurrection and a hope for eternal life, that, hey, I'm going to die someday. And it's good to have some really strong things to show you that. The Bone Church does that. So it was one of the great places that um, that we did go. Um, we had all been to Rome before, so it was kind of like, well, what, what sites do we want to see? We saw some of the ones that are kind of the typical ones, but... So Rome was really good days, um, some good graces, um, being able to see some old friends as well. I, I spent one evening with um, two guys that I was in seminary with. One's on the faculty now at the seminary, and the other is a vocation director too, and was over for the ordination. And the three of us, went late, late one night, I got back from what we were doing, and they got back, so we sat up till past midnight, just catching up, You know, and it was great mm-hmm. to be able to support each other in that. So you know, this whole dynamic of... Traveling intentionally, not just like traveling for fun or whatever. There's, there's a beauty in that in terms of growing as a person and in re- friendship and then also in relationship with the Lord. So so yeah, that was Rome. Um, from Rome, we went to Poland. I have a, a, a strong devotion to the Divine Mercy and to St. Faustina and also Blessed Michael Sopočko, who is her spiritual director. So I had been to Poland back in uh, about 13, 14 years ago. It was great to be able to go back. Father Tony knows Poland really well. Um, yeah. Father Tony knows Poland well because his parents came from there. His parents were actually, his dad was, in. Uh, he was brought into a Siberian w- camp and then down to Tunisia, or Tanzania, excuse me, into a work camp. This is all during World War II, right? Yeah. His mom, when she was a young girl, was brought into Dachau, so her and her family were imprisoned at Dachau, which is in Germany, right, at the concentration camp. And she is a little girl, and her family spent about six months in uh, Dachau during the war, at the, towards the end of the war. Then they were liberated, went to Spain. Anyways, there's a whole long story. So Father Tony has a strong Polish history. Yeah. He, he knows the language pretty well, and he knows Poland really well. He's been there multiple times, so... It was, it was a neat combination because I know Italy well. I can get around Rome easily. You don't need a map. Like, I know where we're going kind of a thing. I know how to get around, and I know how to order food. And it, if, if we need directions or need to talk to a taxi driver, I can do that. Father Tony could do that in Poland. So it's really mm-hmm. it was really great to be able to just have that ease on pilgrimage with, with his expertise in Poland, my expertise in Italy. But um, in Poland, we went to a lot of the regular sites, but the Divine Mercy sites in particular. So just a couple things about that dynamic. We ended up, so we kind of had a theme of unplanned graces. It's a new saying I think you'll probably hear from me. Uh, I just kind of realized, like, hey, there were so many things that weren't planned that we didn't realize were going to happen. And uh, they were great unplanned graces, which I love because I'm more of a spontaneous personality. We can plan things, and graces happen in our planning, but sometimes you leave room for the Spirit, and you, you get surprised by it. One of the, the things that was most powerful for me, um, having read a lot of St. Faustina's diary and about her life, and she's been one of those saints that has made herself known to me and has shown me a great love at different times and some really special ways. So when we were headed to Poland, we suddenly realized the feast day of St. Faustina, which isn't celebrated here in the States, really. I mean, Divine Mercy is, but her actual feast day is more just celebrated in Poland, that the f- first full day we were in Poland was her feast day. So like, we're going to be in yeah. Poland on our feast day. We didn't realize it when we were planning the trip and when we were going to go from Rome up to Poland, et cetera. Well... Jacob Cheetah, who's a former seminarian is studying in Krakow right now, well, he had come down to Rome too, and he told us, he said, hey, Father, he said, Saturday's the feast day of Faustina. I said, yeah, we just realized that. He said, if you go to the monastery where she's buried, on her feast day and on her feast day only, they open up the room where she died. So you can go into the cell where she spent the last part of her life, and that's all recorded in the diary, a lot of it, and you can go into the room where she died, and you can venerate a relic of her so we went and did this
0: yeah that's awesome
1: so that for me was such a powerful moving and grace and an unplanned grace um to be able to be in the room where she went to heaven and because she's helped me so much from heaven in so many different ways um so really a beautiful experience and opportunity there went to the Divine Mercy Shrine there um I went to confession at the Divine Mercy Shrine, which is really great. Like, it's, it's just, when you go on pilgrimage, to be able to journey to a place that has a meaning and a purpose, and this one is definitely mercy, you know, to intentionally go there and plan to go to confession there, like, to make that journey and take that that step, you know, um, and it, it can just, just makes it a little more special. It was a special confession because yeah. of where we were and the message that comes from there, so... The other thing um, we went over to see in Poland was was a, um, a good friend of mine, her name Sister Christina. She's a she's a religious sister over in Poland. She's from Canada. And this is an unplanned grace. <coughs> a month before we left, she got transferred to this other city in Poland. And the other person around Divine Mercy that I've grown to, like in some knowledge of and I've grown in devotion to is Blessed Michael Sapochko who is the spiritual director at St. Faustina, so you Mm -hmm. hear of him constantly in the diary. He was a great priest and uh, a great spiritual director at St. Faustina and the the religious there. Well, Sister Christina had got transferred. She had emailed me like a month prior to going. She's like, Father, I'm getting transferred over to Bialstok, so I'm going to be in a different place, so you know, does it still work out for you to come? I was like, yeah, we'll figure it out, whatever. So I found the trains and figured out how to get there. Well, I had contacted her and said, hey, we're planning on coming out, looking forward to it. Through that correspondence, realized that, and I didn't know this, Blessed Michael Sapochko is buried in Bielstok. And he was the founder of the order that she's a part of, so they had known yeah. a lot about him too. So we got to go into the room where he died, and we got to go to his tomb as well, and we got had mass at the, at the shrine where his body is, um, which was a super, just grace of affirmation and a, a sense of, of God's love for me um, and for us. And so that's part of the dynamic of pilgrimage is like experiencing some of those things. So I had a great visit with Sister Christina. It was good to see her. She's doing really great in her vocation. It was really neat to see because I kind of watched her go through a really good deep conversion. So those are some of the things that happened um, uh, on the pilgrimage. There's was, there was lots of other things too. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so... That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a great trip. Um, that's uh, Poland's always been a place that I want to go. I have a uh, like a big devotion to St. Maximum Colby. Yeah, we, we which, went. Yeah, we, you, you guys went we to We uh, went to Auschwitz. Auschwitz.
1: We went to Auschwitz. So when you go to Auschwitz, you can go to the cell where he died. Yeah. Um, where he was, you know, they, they tried to starve him to death and then they lethally injected him. Yeah, um, Saint Maximilian Kobe's story is great. Which, uh, that's another amazing yeah. place to be too.
0: Yeah, yeah, Poland it just you know, has a, a powerhouse of, of of the you know these saints. Awesome modern state, blessed
1: yeah. Jersey uh, Popiushko. You know, um, we almost got to go to his tomb in, in in Warsaw, but didn't. But yeah, Saint John Paul II. yeah. yeah j- I JP2. mean, the, the Polish saints, they're and modern. They're modern mm-hmm. saints. I mean, a yeah. lot of it has to do with JP two bringing them to the world, but. They're awesome, yeah. awesome examples yeah. in so many ways.
0: Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, just really awesome opportunity. And, yeah, I'm, it, it's just great to hear about it. Um, you touched on uh, this a little bit, but um, I guess I'll just ask the question: Like, why do we as Catholics go on pilgrimage? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like why? Why do like what's the point for you know going? that kind of extra mile, you know, spending the money, taking the time to go and do these, uh, these things. So there's
1: a, I mean, on a natural level, there's something in human nature that wants to go and, and see, right? Like we want to go and see and discover and be in places where things happened, right? So that's across the board with human nature and through the centuries through, you look back into human history, groups of people made journeys, pilgrimages, with an intentionality to go to a place to see it, right? So just on a yeah. natural level, there's something in us as humans that, like, we want to do that. So that's on that level. Uh, uh, on a supernatural level, it's an intentionality toward um, mirroring or mimicking our journey toward heaven. And so, you know, this life, is, it's a journey, it's a pilgrimage to try to get to that, that place that we long to be where God dwells which is heaven, to to take the time to make a a journey, an intentional journey that's spiritual. It's not just like a trip, right? So whenever I take people on pilgrimage, it's like, we're not just going on a trip. This is a pilgrimage, which means that there's an intentional desire and intentionality to grow in our relationship with God. And so that means mass, that means prayer, that means good conversations, that means visiting holy sites. So it's taking that journey to get to that place where God worked in a special way a place in which um, special graces were giving and were given so people travel to places where marys appeared you know because god acted there and to journey there is it, it reminds us of our journey to heaven to we're trying to get to that place and when we get there it's super special and beautiful and amazing so when you're pilgrimaging to the holy land you get to the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus, and you get to go up on Calvary, and you get to go into the, the site of the tomb. like you, It's like kind of like getting to heaven, you know? After <laughs> a long journey, yeah. it does something for the soul. Um, or you go to Fatima, or Lord's, and you get there, and it does something for the soul. I got into Faustina's room where she died. It did something for my soul last week, you know? Um, so... I've, There's lots of dynamics to pilgrimage, but it's intentional journeying to a place that is holy, a place where God worked through a saint, or Christ Himself did, you know, through the Virgin Mary, and journeying to that place as a as an intentional journeying, you know, in the spiritual life. So it's it's pilgrimage is way more fulfilling and more profound than just taking trips. I've taken trips too, you know, and trips are fun, but Taking pilgrimage does something more for the soul and for the people that you journey with. Usually if you go out on pilgrimage with somebody, <coughs> you end up being kind of... there's a different kind of bond for the rest of your life with them. So, um, there's a lot of rootedness in the Christian history with it, you know, from you know, people journeying into the Holy Land to go back to the sites. And then when the Holy Land was shut off to them, they started to create these other sites around Europe in particular, mimicking the Holy Sites and also going to the places of the martyrs etc so pilgrimage has a long-standing tradition i love pilgrimage um we're going on a pilgrimage holy land 2020 uh we're going to go to the holy land december of 2020 so a a year from this christmas i'm going to do a bus pilgrimage for the parish to the holy land so put it in the books and we'll be leaving sometime after christmas i talked to juan the guy i work with on these pilgrimages and uh him and I are going to actually touch base this next week about finalizing some dates and getting it
0: solidified. so Yeah, that sounds awesome and exciting and you know good for people to start thinking about yeah. about, yeah how, you know, one on our own kind of spiritual ju- journey, uh, and then two like really leaving that out in a practical way, with yeah, yeah going to the Holy Land or going to somewhere. So Yeah, it's, it's
1: oftentimes on pilgrimage too, you remind people, "Hey, this is not a vacation, it's a pilgrimage. So, like, people are used to going on vacation, and they want things to kind of go a certain way. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're always checking people up, especially if it's the first time they've ever been <laughs> yeah. on a pilgrimage. You're like, hey, it's a pilgrimage. It's different than, like, a vacation. And, uh, it, yeah, so. And that's the way we should live our lives, too. You know, we shouldn't just live life as a v- one big vacation. It's a pilgrimage to heaven. You, you better have some intentionality and a certain attitude in it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Lots of great things.
0: Yeah. That's great um, and we'll you know I'm sure we'll continue to pack some stuff some things will come out. God makes those trips very you know applicable um, in our lives. So
1: yeah, I would imagine a few things might pop yeah. up in some of my preaching or different things down yeah. the road here
0: yeah. um, well as we uh, kind of close out this uh, this show we're gonna end with a catechetical minute. Um, so I'm gonna throw it back over to you for a minute.
1: Yeah so a catechetical minute this week, let's talk adoration because we're starting adoration. So, the big gold thing, and I actually got a new one in Poland for the parish, um, that, that the Eucharist goes in and it sits on the altar in adoration. That's called a monstrance. Um, it comes from w- the word mostrare, so to show. So, it's something that shows, right? That glorifies and shows something. So, the monstrance is the big gold case that we put the Eucharist in during adoration so you can see, actually physically see the Eucharist. Um, so, we got a new one for St. Lawrence. Holy Family's got two large ones, um, and so Saint Lawrence—they've actually had money sitting there for a while, and we just haven't bought one. In Poland, I got a great deal on one, and it's—I think it's perfect for us. Um, but it's—it's it's a golden color, and it's really beautiful. That's called a monstrance. Um, so whenever somebody talks about the monstrance, now what—what what goes inside the monstrance? What actually holds the host? It's called a luna. Yeah. So it, think of moon, right? This new monstrance actually has, you'll see why they actually would call it a luna originally because it's got the old style. It's actually like a a, a crescent-shaped moon on the bottom. So this isn't in like a glass case luna like we have now. It's a little bit different. So the luna goes inside the monstrance. So just some catechetical things of like what we call things in adoration. And adoration is meant to actually show the physical presence of Jesus. And so that's what that's for. At the end of adoration each day, and if you come on Wednesday nights or whenever, we do benediction. So, a couple things about benediction. Benediction means blessing, right? So, we give the blessing. This is the blessing of Jesus. So, it's different than a, like, a priestly blessing in terms of like me giving you a blessing. This is an actual blessing straight from Jesus. So, a couple of things. When the priest or deacon comes out, they'll put the, the cope on, which is the long, long garment, right? And then they put a humeral veil on. The humeral veil is the smaller one, the shorter one, right? And that comes on just before he goes up to the altar. The reason for the humeral veil is the priest puts his hands in there, and then when he goes and grabs the monstrance, the humeral veil is touching it. So it's, it's not a blessing from the priest. So it's meant to, to show, like, a, covering up my hands. This isn't a blessing coming from me. This is me allowing Jesus to bless you. And so that humeral veil covers up my hands, and I go up and I grab the monstrance, and then I raise it and, and bless you know, give the blessing of the Lord. So Jesus is blessing you when you come to benediction from his presence in the, in the Eucharist. That's called benediction, the blessing of Jesus himself in the Eucharist. Um, so when when the priest goes up and he starts the sign of the cross with the monstrance with the Eucharist in it, that's benediction, and that would be a time where we would be kneeling, and as you're getting that blessing, just like any blessing, you would do the sign of the cross. So you would cross yourself as you're being blessed. You know, it's one of the things that our kids have learned on Wednesday nights by consistently going to adoration and receiving benediction. So a little catechetical minute on a couple of things concerning adoration and and benediction.
0: Yeah, and if that's you know not even more of a plug to go to adoration, then I don't know what is. <laughs>
1: that's right. Get get the blessing of Jesus Himself.
0: Yeah. So all right. Well, thank you so much for. Uh, listening to this podcast, and uh, yeah, we will see you next week.
1: May God bless you, and may Jesus Christ be praised.